The preach word this morning will come from 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 through 25. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 through 25. And the word of God reads as follows. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word and the Lord, as the Lord commanded. And when Arona looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on towards him. And Arona went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arona said, why has, why has my Lord the king come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arona said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the, offer of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Arona gives to the king. And Arona said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arona, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. And the Lord had a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Well, if you've been with us, you know that we've been going through the life of David and we've come to the last couple of messages. And as I reflected on this passage of scripture that ends Second Samuel, I was brought to a question and the question is, why are we here? Why are we here even this morning? Now, of course, the, the easy answer to that would be that we are here to worship. And indeed, we are because we were created to worship and glorify God. That's the reason God created us. That is the reason why God saved us, that we would glorify, that we would worship, magnify him. And I do believe that David understood this as well as anyone ever has. If David's life has taught us anything, it has taught us what a life centered in and on the worship of God looks like. But to study the life of David, as we have seen, is to study the life and the heart of a worshiper. But David can be called many things, and he he was called many things throughout his life. He was a shepherd. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was a prophet. And yet, I would submit to you this morning that the most descriptive title of David would be that David was a worshiper. For it is David as worshiper that really gives meaning to all the other titles. And in fact, this morning, David helps us to understand what worship is. 
What is worship? Well, I am confident that most of us believe we know what it is. After all, to answer the question, that is why we are here this morning, to worship. But the the definition that David gives us in this passage that the scripture gives us in these last few verses of 2 Samuel has the idea of worth. And in fact, the English word worship comes from the old English word of worth-ship. Worth-ship. It has the idea of worth. It is the idea of giving honor to whom honor is due. It is showing the worth and the praise of another. David says in Psalm 18 and verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy of all my praise. Has the idea of worth. And worth means that God is excellent in character, superior in value, exultant in beauty. He's worthy. It is the idea of how Romeo felt about Juliet. It is the idea of how many Catholics unfortunately feel about Mary. It is the idea of how many of you feel about the Falcons or the Giants. It is how we all should feel about Jesus Christ. It is how David felt about his God, even the God who disciplined him, even the God who chastised him. Saw that last week, didn't we? How David experienced the chastisement of God for David's sin. And we saw how David pleaded for the mercy of God. And we saw how the sin of David led to the grace of God. And we saw how the, how the misery of David led to the mercy of God. And what we see this morning, beloved, and this is the essence of what we'll see, that when grace and mercy meet, worship happens. And so David experienced the grace of God because of the greatness of his sin. David is experiencing the mercy of God because of the greatness of his misery. And when grace and mercy meet, worship happens. And this is where David is. David's on a mission. So they met there at the threshing floor of Arana. That's where they met. And David and the nation of Israel would never be the same. In our text, David reminds us two things. The Lord would instruct us in two important realities about worship. And the first one is that worship has a purpose. And the second one is that worship has a price. 
worship has a purpose. You see that in verse 21. When David went up to the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite, Arana saw David coming and he came down because the threshing floor was exalted. It's where they threshed the wheat and it was exalted on a mount. And when David came, Arana came down. And when he came down from the threshing floor, he asked David a question. He says, why has my Lord, the king, come to his servant? In other words, beloved, he asked David, David, why are you here? Why are you here? How appropriate is that question. It's very appropriate, isn't it? Why have you come today, David? Why have you come here this morning? David, what is your purpose? David came because God commanded him to go, didn't he? God had commanded him to go to the threshing floor. God had commanded him to build an altar. God had commanded him to offer a sacrifice. And in these commands, we find David's purpose. He says, I've come to build an altar. I've come to make a sacrifice. I've come to worship God. Why? Because my purpose here reminds me that I am a sinner. That's the purpose of worship, you do understand. It acknowledges my need. That's why I come here this morning. I come because I come needing to acknowledge that I am sinner. That's what David goes to the threshing floor, isn't it? He goes there because of his sin. The reason that he got to build an altar is because he's a sinner. The reason he has to make a sacrifice is because he is a sinner. You come to worship. If you come truly to worship, You come acknowledging your need. David came to the threshing floor because he knew his sin and he needed grace. David came to the threshing floor because he knew his misery and he needed mercy. So he came to the threshing floor, beloved, on purpose. It wasn't an accident. It didn't just happen to turn in. But he came to the threshing floor on purpose. This was not a mistake. He didn't just go by Arana's place. He went there intentionally. He went there on purpose. Why? Because worship is not arbitrary. Worship is intentional. It is not accidental. It is not nonchalant. It is not a take it or leave it proposition. 
David came on purpose, acknowledging his need for mercy. God's beloved, true worship happens when you acknowledge your need, when you know yourself to be a sinner. You do understand. At the doors of the church are open for the sinful. You do understand that the doors of the church are open for the fallen. For if you are perfect, you need not come. Those who are imperfect, willing to admit their imperfections, those who are sinful and willing to admit their sins have taken the first appropriate steps to the worship of their God. For they acknowledge their need. You know what John Newton says? He says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. There it is, beloved. That's when worship truly begins. When you understand yourself unworthy to be in the presence of the God who delights for you to be there. Paul says, 1 Timothy chapter 1, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. I'm the worst. But it's acknowledging that I am the worst that he says, but I received mercy. I know, I know. Some people just don't like it. But I tell you, beloved, it is not until you recognize that you are a sinner that you really begin to worship God. Because only then do you know the greatness of your sin, do you know the greatness of grace. Only when you know the greatness of your misery will you know the greatness of his mercy. That's why the songwriter is right when he says, come ye sinners, poor and needy. Come, come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus stands ready to save you, full of love and power. But who's got to come? Sinners. Sinners. You know why David goes by the threshing floor? Because he knows he's a sinner in need of grace. Because the purpose of worship is to acknowledge our need. But that's not all. The purpose is also to acknowledge the sufficiency of God who alone can meet those needs 
for what I need. And this is David. This is what he's saying. For what I need, only God can give. And he has commanded me to come. Worship acknowledges my need. And that God is the only one who can meet my need. David, need, David had needs. He needed to be delivered from his sin. Only God could do that. David needed to be delivered and saved from the wrath of God. Only God could do that. You know what worship says? True worship says, I am weak. God, you are strong. I am helpless. God, you are our ever-present help. I am broken and you are whole. I am ignorant and you are all wise. That's what worship says. Why the psalmist says in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Then he asked the question, when shall I come and appear before you? Why? Because only you can supply what I need. When can I come? When can I come? Because only God can save. And I must come to him. Only God can heal, and I must come to him. Only God can deliver, and I must come to him. Only God can forgive, and therefore I must come to him. Lord, when can I come? Why did you come this morning? It's a good question. Think. Why? Are you here to worship? Will you sing? Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are God. Is that why you came this morning? That's why you came, beloved. And understand this, the Bible here reminds us that worship not only has a purpose, but it has a price. Did you come to worship? Then you came to pay a price. Arana wanted to make it easy as possible on David, didn't he? David tells him, I come here to worship. I come here to build an altar. I come here to offer a sacrifice. I come here to acknowledge my sin. I come here to plead to God for mercy. Arana, I have come to worship. And Arana said, well, king, let me make it easy as possible on you. And he wants to make it easy on. He says in verse 22, let my Lord, the king, take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing, threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. You know, Arana is not only 
going to give David all that David needs. I'm convinced that Arana was going to help. He was going to build it. He's going to say, King, you just sit right down. We'll take care of this. We'll do this for you. We'll make this as comfortable and as convenient as possible. David responded with some of the most important words on worship in the scriptures. Hear him say it. Listen to what he says. Run. First thing he just said is no. No. But I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God. That costs me nothing. David told Arana, I'm not only here on purpose this morning, but I came willing to pay a price. I'm not only here on purpose. But I have come here willing to pay a price. Why? Because worshiping God is costly. Worshiping God is costly. And David knew what seems to be lost on so many of us when it comes to the worship of God. That is, if God is worthy, then we must be willing to show it. If God is worthy, then we must be willing to show it. You know, most of us in here, dare I say that most of us in here likes to shop around for a good bargain. Some of us in here might even be called misers and cheap gates. We won't call any names. And we shop around and we, 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 we refuse to buy anything or to make any move until we are convinced that we have found the best deal and the deal that is most advantageous for us. Oh, beloved, that's, that's fine. And that's, that's a good thing when it comes to our financial arrangements. But when it comes to the things of God. In fact, I would submit to you that anything that is of any value in this world to us is going to cost. And we know this and we're finding this out as my son is preparing to go off to college. Anything that is of value is going to cost. And interesting to me is how willing most of the time we are to pay it. Whether it's a home, a car, education. We are willing to run up debt upon debt upon debt upon debt because we value homes, cars, education. We even will put in the time and the effort for the relationships that we're seeking, won't we? Because we find them of much value and much worth. What happens when it comes to the things of God? You know, 
If that's true of your home, if that's true of your car and your education and your career and your relationships, why wouldn't that be true of your worship? Worship has a price. It's costly. And the first thing it's going to cost you is time. It's going to cost you time. Like anything else, it takes time and intention to worship God faithfully. Arana, this is what he was going to do. He was going to help David cut down on his time. David, you ain't got time for this. And David says, no, the God I worship is worthy of my time. And therefore, David stopped everything else, stopped all else that he was doing and gave his attention to the worship of God. Everything else, he stopped. Now, beloved, we all got the same amount of time. God ain't giving you 22 hours in a day and giving me 24. We all have the same amount of time. There's no one who says, I don't have the time and really mean it for those things that are most significant and important to them. What about worship? How important is the worship of God? We all got the same amount of time. The question is, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Some of us believe we got more important things to do than to spend a couple of hours in church on Sunday. You got more important things to do. Is that right? Really? You know, I'm amazed at how many people can count down the days and the hours to the start of the football season. But when was the last time you counted down the days and the hours to the next time the saints are gathering together? When was the last time you counted down the days until the doors of the church were open again? David said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. Why? Because I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to have season tickets on the 50-yard line, beloved. Hello? Because there's nothing, nothing more worthy of my time than the worship of God. You know, it takes time. It takes time to contemplate the things of God. This is what David says in Psalm 9. 
In verse 1, he says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Do you know it will take time to recount all God's wonderful deeds? Time. Two hours in church and you're still here. Ask me, what are you doing? And say, I need a little more time because I'm still counting. It takes time. To count all the wonderful, glorious, wondrous deeds of God. Because worship, beloved, it will take time. I am amazed at how many of us believe, we really believe, we have something more important. You don't worship him without a sacrifice. You don't worship God if it doesn't count. You don't worship God if it doesn't cost. And beloved, understand, understand, it is not your church's responsibility to make worship convenient and easy for you. I don't want to be a part of a church that does everything how I want them to do it, when I want them to do it, why I want them to do it. I don't want to be a part of a worship service that only sings the songs I want to hear. And only says the things that I want to hear. I want to be in a place where it's going to cost me my own selfishness. It's going to cost me my own pride. I'm going to have to pay a price to worship in the household of God. No only true worship happens when you're willing and you're ready to pay the price. David reminds us that it costs, it costs you time, but it also going to cost you your treasure too, beloved. David not only took time, took out time, but he reached into his pocket and he took out his treasure. Because you're not going to worship God unless you're willing to give what he has already given to you. Because what he gives to us, he gives to us so that we might return it to him in worship. He doesn't give you everything you get for you to only consume it upon your own selfish needs. So when Arana comes to him and Arana tells David that David... You don't have to pay for any of it. I am willing to give it all to you because I know that what you seek to do is a good and glorious thing. 
And David says, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not only here to give of my time but I am here to give of my treasure. I am here to give of my talents. This is amazing to me, beloved, that David wanted to give what God had given to him. That's when you know that you're worshiping. Not when you simply come to get, but you come to give. Why did you come here this morning? Well, I just came to get. I came to get the word. I came to get the song. I came to get the praises. I came to get. Well, you haven't truly worshiped, beloved, because coming in the worship is not only getting. Coming in the worship truly is giving. It's giving of your time. It is giving of your treasure. It is giving of your talent. It's being willing to expend your energy for the things of God. You got to be willing to pay. You got to be willing to pay. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't think for a moment, beloved, that you can worship God apart from the resources that he has given to you. Because what you do with your resources demonstrates what you find of great value and worth. This is what David does. This is what the Bible reminds us of this morning. Now, we may all have the same amount of time, but we don't all have the same amount of money. Amen? Amen. But God still expects, just like with our time, he still expects whatever amount of treasure we have to be using it for his glory in the demonstration of his worth. In Luke chapter 21, you begin reading 21 and Jesus tells, and Jesus is there and as they are coming into the temple and they are giving and they are laying their resources in the plate, Jesus notices a poor widow woman. And she comes in and she only puts in two small coins. Two little nickels, you might say. That's all she had. And as she puts them in, Jesus proclaims that the rich might have given more, but that widow, she gave better. She gave better. Why? Because she gave out of a sacrifice. She gave sacrificially. She gave what you would perceive that she didn't have. Because she perceived what was truly of great 
word. Her sacrifice was priceless because, beloved, it cost her something. It cost her something. And worship, beloved, is always costly. Discipleship is costly. When it, when it comes to worship, I am convinced that, that everyone wants to play, but very few of us really want to pay. And that's how it comes to discipleship too. You are not following Christ if you're not willing to pay the price. Now, I'm not saying that. That's what Jesus said. Jesus says that in Luke chapter 14. He says, no one follows me unless you are willing to count the cost. Because there is going to be a price to pay in following Jesus. And if you are not willing to count the cost, you will not follow him. It says in Luke chapter 9 that you must take up your cross Daily, if you will follow him, take up your cross daily. Why? Because discipleship costs just like worship does. It's costly. And the price, Jesus says, is a price that is to be paid every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Following Christ is costly, and unfortunately, most of us really don't want to pay. We want everything ready-made. We want everything conveniently given. We want everything already paid for. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, we want forgiveness without repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, and grace without the cross. Isn't that true? But you know what? You're going to worship God. It's going to cost you. It always has. It cost Abraham his home. The Lord told him to leave his family. And go to a land that he did not know. To follow and worship God. It cost Abraham his home. It cost Moses the riches of Egypt. To follow God. He had to sacrifice all the riches of Egypt. It cost Joseph his freedom. It cost John the Baptist his head. It cost Paul all of his privilege and position. Do you know what? It cost Jesus everything. Your worship cost Jesus everything. This is why you are willing to pay because Jesus has already paid for your worship. 
And the cost that you and I pay doesn't begin to compare to the price that Jesus paid so that we could come in here this morning and worship him. It cost him everything. The Bible says that he left his heavenly glory. The Bible says that he came unto the earth and he took on the form of sinful humanity. The Bible says that he was spit upon, that he was despised, and that he was rejected. The Bible says that he suffered. The Bible says that he died. And this, so that you and I might know God, and so that you and I might worship the one who is truly worthy. Worship. Cause. But when you begin to tally up how much it costs you, don't forget to tally how much your worship costs Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says this, that therefore through Christ, we continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. Only through Christ. Why? Because only Christ has paid the price for our worship. And since he has paid the price for our worship, now we can offer up a costly worship to God, which is our sacrifice, which is our praise, even the offering of our lips. Because of Christ. This is why. This is why we center our worship on Christ. It's why our worship is Christ-centered. This is why we sing of Jesus. This is why we insist that we proclaim and sing of the work and the person of Christ. Why? Because he has paid the price for it. This is why we center our worship in the gospel. This is why we say it again and again. This is why we proclaim it. This is why we insist that our songs be gospel-centered. Why? Because it is in the gospel that the price has been paid for that worship. This is why we center our worship on the cross. This is why we sing of the glories of the cross. This is why we ask the Lord to take us Deeper into the things of the cross. Because it was on the cross that the price was paid for that worship. And beloved, it was on the cross that grace and mercy met. And when grace and mercy meets, what happens? Worship happens. Mercy there was great. And grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Where? At Calvary. You ought to know that song. Mother Scroggins, we know that song. At Calvary, where mercy was great and grace was free. Where pardon was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul finds liberty. At Calvary. That's why, beloved, I I like what Shirley Caesar said. You can sit there all you want to. You just hold my mule. 
And you sit there and you hold my mule because like David says, when I think about the Lord and how he saved me and how he raised me and how he filled me with this Holy Ghost and how he healed me to the uttermost, when I think about the Lord and how he picked me up and he turned me around and he placed my feet on a solid ground, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all the praise. It makes me want to shout. And if you don't want to shout, then you hold my mute. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory, of all the honor, and all of the praise. And it makes me want to shout. That's worship. That's the cause. And it's a price. But you must be willing, desiring, and want to pray. Lord, let me worship you this morning. Everything. Let me shout.